0: Welcome to the Rise Method podcast, where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve. Let's jump in. Hey, folks. Steve here. Welcome back to the Rise Method podcast. In today's episode, we're flying solo again, and we're going to be answering three questions. So, it's a little bit around pain, a little bit around, around injuries today, and a little bit about toning, toning the inner thigh. But we'll get to that in a moment. So, jumping right into a team. The first question here says. Hey Steve, I've done a couple of challenges in the past. However, I've recently injured myself, a prolapsed disc pushing on a nerve and still unable to lift weights. Would, you, would just running be okay for the challenge? Would running just be okay for the challenge? Okay, so uh, firstly, we can answer this question in a few different ways, but answering the main part of the question is, is running okay for the challenge? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, The challenge is all about physical activity, getting you uh, into the gym, getting you doing exercise, doing activities. So running, of course, is a great form of activities. Now, for many people, running is a higher impact activity uh, and the cause of pains such as lower back pain. So for example, for me, uh, there's probably been a small handful of times where I've experienced significant lower back pain. Um, Most of those times is when I've gone to peak in a deadlift. So I would go to do a max effort in a deadlift or I'm in a a period where I'm doing max effort deadlifts. And what that means is that I might be getting ready for a competition like a powerlifting event um, or I'm just being silly i'm just being really dumb in my in my training usually training like with a with a buddy or something we're trying to push each other to the limits and i'll be doing something like close to my max effort for multiple reps not just on one day but on multiple days across multiple weeks so that's usually when i kind of injure myself and then what tends to happen is um over the course of let's say a month two or three times a week are we doing you know above 90% 90% of my max. Um, throw in a couple of nights where I didn't sleep very well. I'm stressed out. One particular time I was at uni and I had exams coming up and I was deadlifting, and that's when I really, really kind of hurt my back. Uh, but the other than that, the other time that I've hurt, my lower back, meaning that it was quite painful, was when I started running. <laughs> so um, my story was I ruptured my ACL in my teens. So I was 18, year 12, year 12 high school. Um, and I was playing lacrosse of all things in high school. And I was named captain of the lacrosse. It was really exciting. First game of year 12. And I went to change direction. The defender that was on me fell and landed on the side of my leg. And there was a really loud pop. It was like a shotgun bang went off. And 10 out of 10, probably 11 out of 10 pain in my knee. My knee ballooned up. Uh, and I was really naive about it. I just kind of bandaged it up, walked on it. And basically managed it myself, managed my pain myself, learned how to work through the tissues of my, of my leg whenever I had a flare up. And it was a few years until I got this really deep burning sensation in my knee. I went and got it checked out properly, went on an MRI, ruptured ACL, meniscus, rah, rah, rah. I was in my early twenties, probably when I first, a few years prior to starting with the, the Maxis challenge back in the day. And I had an, a total knee reconstruction. So um, ACL reconstruction, meniscus cleanup, and uh a few few months after the the surgery i got cleared to start running and at the time i was a weightlifter and i thought well i never really run and i got cleared to start running so i might as well give it a go so i started running and i was telling my professor at uni about this and he's like oh yeah you know i don't think it's a it's a it's a good idea um, to do any long distance events and i was a little bit like for you so, what I did was, I went and ran a 5k, and this is maybe a week after I got cleared to start running. So, mind you, I didn't do a lot of ex, uh, physical activity, I was mainly walking, maybe doing some uh, light exercises, my rehab, all that type of stuff. And I said, Screw this, I'm gonna start running. So, I started running, and I went from zero to 5k within a week, uh, and that wasn't fun. So, I had uh, quite a lot of lower back pain, quite a lot of hip pain, quite a lot of uh, like shin splint like pain from um, one bout of running. So this is a long-winded way of saying that, uh, you know, for me in my decade plus years of, of training, since I was a, a young teenager, handful of times I've had lower back pain. Some of those times is when I was really maxing out of my lifts and the other time was when I started running. So if you had uh, a true disc protrusion, um, which is the way that she described it, which is a prolapse, Disc, a prolapse disc. And it's kind of in stages. So we start off with maybe, maybe a bit of disc degeneration, maybe changing in the annular fibers on the outside where the nucleus inside starts pushing up against the annulus fibrosis. That's kind of like the first stage. And then prolapse is when the inside kind of pushes out a little bit more. And then we have extrusion where it's pushing out even further. Then we've got this fancy world called, uh, it, it sounds like a horse, sequestration. So I just remember to like, equine sequestration. Anyway, that means when it's actually like. At. Anyway, the point is, prot- prolapse is maybe that that next level up. If we had a true disc prolapse in the lumbar spine, and it was pushing on the lower, uh, some a nerve into the lower leg, running probably isn't a, a great idea, um, mainly because of the randomness of, of running, you know, each step, the, the pavement, the floor is a little bit different, each step, each stride is a little bit different, uh, applying a lot of loads in different areas of the body. Plus it's really high impact. So when we are running, we're putting something like seven or eight times our body weight into each leg and that force gets transmitted up our body. So running can be a really high impact and might not be the first level of rehabilitation in a true disc prolapse in the lower back. Now, what would be the very first level of rehab is actually putting resistance on the body in a controlled way lifting weights so the best form of rehab for uh, a lower back injury is to lift weights where we're managing the load so if a physio osteo chiro doctor says don't lift weights man you should go see a another healthcare professional because the best way to manage those symptoms is to lift weights now in day-to-day life, we're lifting weights, you know, we are doing the washing, we're lifting up the washing basket, we're going shopping, we're you know, carrying the shopping bags, we're bending over, we're picking up uh, you know, toys on the floor if we have kids, we're picking up our toddler if we have kids, we're picking up our shoes off the ground, we're carrying things and moving things around the house, we're doing activities where we are carrying things, so we're lifting weights. So, it doesn't make sense that we just completely avoid lifting weights because of the resistance. It's all about how we manage that load. So. Let's use an example of a squat. Okay, if you had a true disc prolapse where you was pinching on a nerve, and mechanically that's very rare that the disc actually pushes and touches the nerve, normally it's uh, like chemical irritation. So pinching the nerve, Ah, I'm just poking at the language here, but you may not choose to do like a loaded barbell back squat with your previous working weight, if you've had a disc, uh, you know, back pain. For me, when I would injure my lower back, when I was lifting much higher loads than I was able to manage, when I was going through my rehab, I wouldn't deadlift with the weight that I injured my back with. I scaled it back down all the way almost to the barbell. So I was able to do some activity so that I can get some movement from my body, strengthen some of the muscles, and it, it was fine within a couple of weeks. So what I'm getting at is the best way to manage a lower back injury and, to get a confirmed prolapse of a disc, one is difficult. You would need something like an MRI to confirm that. Uh, And then two, it's not the cause of pain. And we see that in studies where we get people like you and I, so let's say me in my thirties, we get people like me, uh, no pain right now. So asymptomatic, asymptomatic, no symptoms, and put me in an MRI and see what they find. And they found that, oh gosh, testing my numbers, but it was a really high proportion, over 50% of people in their 30s had some sort of disc degeneration, some sort of disruption in their lumbar spine or a disc bulge in in more simple words. So what that means is that over 60% of people in my demographic, in my 30s, had some sort of change in their lumbar spine, but had no pain. Similarly, as we get higher in ages, there was a higher prevalence of it. And somewhere in the 50s or 60s, uh, it was somewhere like 80% of folks had some sort of disc degeneration, some sort of disc change, but they had no pain. This was found in other areas of the body, like in the shoulder, like labral tears, so the labrum in the shoulder, hip, labrum in the hip. So tears in the labrums of the hips and the shoulders, no pain. FAI, femoral acetabular impingement, no pain. Rotator cuff degeneration and tears in the shoulders, no pain. So it's hard to say that if you get a scan and this is the presentation, that that is the cause of the pain. It's all about how we manage our pain and manage the load. So if we look at the two extremes or two examples, we have lifting weights and running. We could run slower, maybe take shorter strides so there's less impact, but we still got the body weight going through, you know, the jolting of, of running. And that could be a lot of load that we're not ready for. Whereas if we're lifting weights, we can regress the exercise and regress it and regress it into a point that is manageable and tolerable. So use the example of a squat, as I was saying, you might not choose to do a barbell back squat. You might choose to do, let's say a dumbbell version, a little bit easier than a barbell, maybe a front squat position. And if that's too much, we do a bodyweight squat. If that's too much, do a bodyweight squat onto a chair, like you do when you go to the toilet or sit into a car or hop into bed or, you know, sit on the couch A body weight onto a chair. If that's too much, you hold onto a pole or a wall or a squat rack to give you support. If that's too much, you maybe have someone helping you to give you assistance. So we can regress it further and further to a point where it's an activity of daily living or it's even less of an activity of daily living, an even regressed version. So main takeaway here is that the best way to approach rehab is to actually lift some weights and maybe not in the same lens as what you think, I'm gonna to go to the gym and, and push for maxes. It might be a regressed version to p- apply resistance on the body. Running might not be the best option. Of course, it can be an option if you love running. Go for it. But when we rationalize it, it might not be the most strategic way to manage lower back pain, manage a true prolapse, and uh, manage the symptoms so that we can get you back to where you were as quickly as we can so that you can enjoy the things that you love doing. good Next question here, we're going to talk about some spot reduction. So the question is, hi, Steve. I'm wanting exercises to tone the inside of my thighs. Any recommendations? Thank you in advance. So again, when we, when we look at this question, we can start making assumptions um, and then, of course, answer the actual true question. So the true, true, true question is, I'm wanting exercises to tone the inside of my thighs. Any recommendations? Firstly, defining what toned means. Toned is when we have an increased Resting tension in the muscle. So, let's say myself training for over a decade, my muscles have an element of tension when I'm at rest. So, there is a sense of tone in the muscle. Whereas, um, you know, there's some people in my family who are well into their 60s and 70s who've never really exercised before, their muscles may not have the same resting tone as mine because they don't train. So, What happens is when we are training, we see an increase in nervous system activity. So the nerves are keeping the muscle at a bit of resting tone. There is an increase in muscle cellular size. So there's a little bit more compact. So uh, the muscle has a little bit more of that resting tone and of course more strength. So we have uh, more control in those fine motor units. So the muscles can be at a higher potentiation, meaning that they can contract quicker um, and have a little bit more of tightness to it. So if we are wanting to tone a muscle, we need to strengthen the muscle, right? We need to build muscle in that area so that it has an increased resting tone. When we're talking about the inside of the thigh, we're mainly talking about the adductors and adductors is a d A-D-ductor, right? Where that's the inside of the thigh or more simply something like the groin muscles. And the groin starts really high up in the pelvis and goes all the way down to the inside of the knee. So. To target those areas, there are some isolation exercises, and you've probably seen them before that awkward machine in the gym where you're trying to close your legs, you sit down and you it opens your legs and you try to close it. So there's exercises like that to so target the adductors. There's some sports-specific adductor exercises. You might see some sports folks like football, AFL players, where they might do what's called the Copenhagen plank, Copenhagen plank, like Denmark, where they would place, let's say, the they'll go into like a side plank position, maybe left elbow down on the ground, and they will put their right foot up on a bench or the right knee up on a bench so that they need to do like a little bit of a um, adductor, pushing that knee down to work the inside of the groin, isolation like exercise. So we can target it specifically. However, the adduct, adduct, adductors <laughs> or the groin is used in lots of activities, especially when we are single leg. So we can use the Uh, the adductors a lot in things like lunges and split squats. We also use uh, the adductors whenever the knee is bending. So similar when we're working the quadriceps, the adductors can work, especially if we start to open up the legs. So things like squats, if you had a wider stance with a squat or a toe turned out position with a squat, the adductors can get a lot of stimulus as well as like a sumo stance. So even sumo deadlifts can work a lot of the adductors. So we can certainly target areas in training. Now, after questioning this question a little bit more, we found out that this individual wanted to target the inner thigh to lose some body fat in the inner thigh because they described their thighs as tree trunks. Now, I could describe my thighs as tree trunks and so does a lot of my family. Genetically, we have larger thighs. Um, and even when I was to a point where I was bodybuilding, quite lean, I would have the six pack, I'd have striations in my pecs, I'd have striations in my quads, but I still carried some body fat around my thighs. And that was like the last space for body fat to be lost because around my thighs. So, The first thing we need to appreciate is that genetically, some of us are more likely to hold body fat around places like our hips and thighs. And that kind of skews a little bit more towards women. So women, we tend to hold more body fat around our hips and thighs, whereas guys, we tend to hold more body fat around our midsection. And that's where we get these really stereotypical body shapes of the dad bod, bit of a belly, or the maybe truck driver, a bit of a, a belly, but they might have you know skinny, skinny legs, skinny arms. So they're not holding a lot of body fat around their arms and legs, holding a lot of body fat around their midsection. Then in contrast, you might have that stereotypical women uh, who have uh, like a narrow waist, but then larger hips and thighs. And they might be carrying some body fat around their hips and thighs, mainly to do with uh, reproduction, to protect the hips and thighs and the uterus and you may find that that's one of the last places that you lose body fat now we can't really spot reduce so we can't target the inner thighs and lose body fat specifically in the inner thighs and yeah there is some literature that suggests that maybe you lose a little bit more body fat in the areas that you're working out but not to a significant extent so if you are losing body fat if you were to train let's say your arms because you want to try to lose some body fat around your arms you might lose an extra you know one percent of body fat around your arms if you're trying to lose your body fat in general so maybe you might lose a little bit but it's not very significant of course the biggest way to lose body fat is to be in an energy deficit and when we are in an energy deficit we lose body fat across our whole body And if we're focusing on the inner thighs and every day we're looking at the inner thighs, you may be looking at the wrong areas where you're losing body fat around your midsection, your arms, and your back and everything, but you might be focusing on just one small spot, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing we need to appreciate. Finally, a great strategy to focus on is to spot enhance. So you may be looking at your inner thighs and thinking, okay, how am I going to lose body fat in my inner thigh? What you could focus on is to build muscle around inner thigh, the thigh itself, the quadricep, the hamstring, the whole leg, so that the leg gets a well-rounded shape, even though you have some body fat around your legs. So a separate example was once upon a time, I used to have um, lots of uh, love handle problems. So, you know, the love handles around, just maybe above the hips. And I was really self-conscious about that. This is before I started training. So I was self-conscious about the love handles that I had and um i would always try to hide it and always be really awkward about it i used to wear really baggy t-shirts to try to hide it that didn't become a problem as i started training and now even if i am carrying a little bit more body fat i don't have an issue with any love handles and the reason why is because i've developed a shape in my body so by training things like my lats you know the the back muscle that creates that v shape by training things like my lats i've created this bit of an illusion where my upper back gets nice and wide and then my midsection is actually kind of narrow even though I have still some love handles they're not visible to the same extent because I have muscle around my back so in a way you can continue to have the same amount of body fat on places like your legs but if you had larger thigh muscles yeah okay the leg might look slightly bigger but by having more muscle more tone in the muscle Um, by having a well-rounded and well-shaped legs we look past the body fat we don't even notice the body fat because of the shape that is there so you can certainly spot enhance and that might be uh, a mindset shift where we are trying to spot reduce but instead of trying to reduce and make it less we focus on making it more making it greater making improvements so if you're sitting there focusing Steve I want to tone up my legs. I want to lose fat in my inner thigh. I want to lose fat around my arms because I'm sick of the saggy arms. What's it called? The the tuck shop lady arms. However, we, we, we label things poor tuck shop ladies. We can enhance those areas by making them stronger, building muscle in those areas. And we may not need to focus on primarily losing body fat in those areas. All right. Last question here, back to a little bit of pain, discomfort. It goes, hi, Steve. I really felt my hip flexors during the lunges. Front was worse. I ended up dropping the weights on the last set. Do you think it's because they are tight? Okay, so we're primarily talking about lunges or maybe um, a split squat position, single leg exercise. And we're feeling it in the hip flexors. So hip related pain. And it was worse on the front. So it just says during lunges, front was worse. So we don't know if it's the front leg or front like lunge, like a forward lunge. Is it because they're tight is the question. Okay, answer the question directly. Yeah, it could be because the hip flexors are tight, maybe. Um, it might be because hip flexors are weak, maybe. Um, or it could be because the hip flexors are the solution to a problem, okay? And we break down those three ideas. So the hip flexors being tight. Yeah, okay, if you're sitting down for longer periods of time, some of those muscles can become a little bit shorter in a way, being more contracted. So they, when you go into like a lunge position, you are doing a bit of like a hip flexor stretch. So those muscles are doing lots of, lots of stretching. Um, and of course that stretching might be above our pain tolerance level. So it becomes painful. So yeah, of course it could be the hip flexors doing that. That's number one. Number two, it could be because they're weak. So when we're doing a lunge, uh, the back leg is actually working quite a bit. So if you, depending on, of course, how you're doing the lunge, you may be doing a little bit of like a leg extension with the back leg to stand up rather than like a leg press with the front leg to stand up. So you may be doing lots of hip flexor strengthening exercises with that back leg. So of course it's, it's fatiguing and you're feeling maybe a bit of discomfort, a bit of pain. So that can certainly be happening. The final thing is that the hip flexor could be your solution to a problem so if you go to lunge um, you need an element of stability in your hips and primarily it comes from larger muscles like the glutes and muscles on the side like the glute medius supporting the hips but if those muscles aren't strong enough or being utilized to their advantage the hip flexor might Go, hey, don't worry, guys. I've got this job, and they start to contract and and st- support that lunging position. Because the lunge is a little bit unstable because you're you're in a split position, whereas if you've got two feet on the ground, more stable. So we can see some increases in hip flexor engagement when we're doing things like a lunge. Now, what can you do? So, firstly, you might need to work on some hip mobility, primarily into internal rotation an external rotation. We could do that with movements like the 90-90 position, or some people call it a hip box, where you're sitting on the ground, you would bring, you bed your knees, both of them, and you would rest one leg out in front, just like you would do maybe like a glute stretch, and you would rest the other leg towards, uh, like kind of behind you. So you're making like 90 degrees with both legs. And one leg is in external rotation pointing outwards and the other leg is in internal rotation pointing inwards. And if you're unsure of this, you might wanna just Google a 90-90 stretch or a hip box. And sometimes we lose that rotation element in our hips and it might be worth strengthening that rotation element so that when you go through things like a lunge, the hip can move into places like extension which we can only get there if we have internal rotation and if we are able to extend we are able to internally rotate we are then able to use our glutes and then the hip flexor pain dissipates that of course can be a thing. The other issue that might be happening is that we may have an underlying thing like a FAI femoral acetabular impingement and that loosely spoke about it in the very first question about back pain where it may be symptomatic and may be painful. It may be painful when you're doing a lunge. And what FAI is, is the hip joint itself is kind of like a cup. And then the thigh bone um, is like the ball. So it's like a ball and socket joint, yeah? Now, sometimes the thigh bone is too big for the hip joint. So um, we call that a cam, meaning that the head of the femur is too big for the whole of the hip sometimes the hole of the hip is actually too small. So the um, thigh, the thigh bone is a normal size and the um, hip socket is actually smaller and we can compare like left and right. You might find like the right hip joint socket is smaller than the left. So that creates a, an impingement syndrome um, and then sometimes there's a mixed and that's probably the most common is a mix of the, the thigh bone's a bit too big and then the hip bone's a little bit too small. Doesn't really matter what it is because You can't really tell if it's one small, one's big. Just it doesn't doesn't fit very well, so it is normally self-managed. Where you might need to reduce range of motion because end ranges of end ranges of motion can be painful because you're mechanically pinching things, and sometimes just you might be more sensitive to some tightness in things like the hips, where we get. Uh, a, a smaller margin of error to get that pain. Whereas myself, I don't I don't have FAI that I know of. So for me, if I am let's say a five out of 10 tight in my hips, no issues, no worries. Whereas if you have FAI, just a two out of 10 tight in your hips may cause that pain dis- discomfort, right? So you may have an underlying FAI where you may be pushing your hip into larger ranges of motion that you're not ready for. One example with a lunge is if you bend forward lots when you lunge, let it be forwards or backwards. If you really bend forward, you go into a really deep hip flexion. So where, you know, your chest is getting close to your thigh and that can cause um, a little bit of discomfort because literally like tissues are hitting each other in your hip. So you could still lean forward if you were trying to target your glutes by pushing the knee out to the side a little bit to create some space. So instead of going you know, straight forward with the hip, so that's pure hip flexion, you might add a little bit of ABduction where you bring the hip out, the leg out slightly, so you can get some more range of motion there. Another solution might be that you just really try to keep that chest up. So when you're lunging, instead of like lunging forward and moving your body weight forward, Do a bit of a split squat where you are simply lowering the body weight down right so you're keeping the chest a little bit up and you may hold onto a pole or a wall just to help keep your chest upright alternatively you might try to shorten the stride length or long lengthen the stride length or uh open stride up so sometimes when we lunge um way we describe it is someone would lunge on like a tightrope imagine like you're walking on a tightrope and you go to a lunge really hard to control your balance because you're basically in a straight line. Whereas if you were to lunge on, let's say, like train tracks, you know, so your feet are still, let's say, hip distance apart, you may find more balance and control. So there are some solutions that you can try, you know, modify where your feet are, you might might solve your problem modify your stride length that might solve your problem. Regress the exercise, you might solve your problem. Um, and you know, maybe working on a little bit of hip mobility as in hip internal, external rotation might solve the problem. I would recommend that you just reflect on your exercise execution. So film yourself doing a lunge and you might find something funky is going on. So if you compare your know, left foot forward then your right foot forward, if you're only feeling it in your, your right leg, you if you were to lunge with both legs and you just Uh, observe both styles of lunges you might find that lunging in one direction it just looks weird looks funky it looks like you're kind of tripping a little bit you're awkward or maybe you're moving the body weight forward lots or moving the body weight backwards lots versus the other side where you're not getting any pain you're doing it differently so that might be enough to kind of go oh (laughs) okay Um, i was just being a little bit silly with my lunges that's why i was causing this this discomfort in my hips maybe the side that was uncomfortable i make that look like the other side Happy days." Other things to consider is uh, an overall view. So if you are looking at your legs um, and let's say the right hip is uh, painful, right hip flexor is painful. And then also on that right side, you know that you have tight tight calves or you have a history of rolling your ankle or something. Okay, you can start to piece two and two together. All right, why? It's a little bit of a coincidence that I get this right hip flexor thing and I always roll my right ankle. Is there a relation? Maybe Um, the other thing to consider, of course, is that the hip flexor is very close to the groin, especially when we're doing like a lunging position. And like I just mentioned in the previous question about targeting the inner thigh, if you are lunging, you might be using your inner thigh a lot and you may not simply feel the difference between the hip flexor and the groin and they're kind of one and the same. So you might be having a little bit of groin discomfort that is um, kind of presenting as, you know, hip flexor. And that, of course, we can start looking at the ankle, we can start looking at the thoracic spine. So the rotation elements, um, we can start to break down, you know, how your whole body is twisting. So we can go into really kind of deep rabbit holes around like physical therapy type stuff, but I'd recommend maybe modify your execution slightly, maybe work on hip internal, external rotation, and we can reassess once we give those things a try. So there you go, team, I hope you enjoyed. This podcast episode, we've spoken a little bit about back injuries, we've spoken a little bit about targeting areas around the inner thigh, and we've spoken a little bit about pain. So injuries, inner thighs, and pain, how good. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll catch you in the next one.